The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29 is where we find ourselves as we study Galatians together. And one of the things I want to remind us, and we talked about this last Sunday night as we looked at verse 21 through 25, as we see that, uh, go ahead and you can look at verse 34. It says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. One of the things that was pointed out to us in God's word is that God has established for us a plan to see people come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And that plan isn't something that we can change. And the plan is very, very simple. God has given us the law. And the first purpose of the law is this, is for us to see our sin, to see that we have fallen short. This is the first step for us in salvation. It is the first step in our evangelism. As we evangelize to people, as we share the gospel with people, something that they need to understand is that they are sinners. And the law shows them that because as they try to compare themselves to the law, they will see very quickly that they fall short of God's holy law. And one of the sad things that happens today is people try to twist this to where we say, I'm gonna skirt tail sin. I'm not gonna talk to them about their sin first. What I wanna do is I wanna talk to them about God's love and about God's grace and how much God wants to wrap them up in a big bear hug and be their dad. I wanna tell them that. And then maybe we can get to the sin, the sin things later because I'm afraid that I'm going to push them away if I start telling them that according to God's word, they, they fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you've seen this before or maybe even you've felt that in your own life as you've tried to share the gospel with someone, as you felt that uneasiness. Maybe, maybe you've even thought to yourself, who am I to judge them? Well, according to God's word, we're not judging them. We're telling them the truth. We're telling them the truth. They will never understand the greatness of God's grace if they don't understand what he's pouring his grace out upon. They need to see that they are a sinner. This is how God has set up his work. And so as we get into our section this morning of verse 26 through 29, the reason I bring up verse 24 through 25 is because what we're gonna look at this morning is is finding our identity, is finding our identity. People are searching for their identity. Who who am I? What am I? How will I be remembered? What is my purpose on this earth? How am I connected to to others? Or some people take it even farther. How am I connected to this tree? You know, or how am I connected to the this fish that's swimming around? They they take it all to those different areas. They they ask these different questions. And they what they're wanting to know is, is what is my identity? And thankfully, God has given us answers in his word to answer this question of who am I? What am I? And the reason that I said what I said to start, going back to verse 24 and 25, is because we have to understand, first and foremost, is that we are sinners separated from a holy God. We're separated from a holy God. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved by the grace of God, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, sought his forgiveness for your sins, then you sit today still separated from God. You're you're a sinner and you're separated from him. The good news is though, 
You don't have to leave that same way. Because of the gift of God, because of the grace of God, you can become a child of God through Jesus. And so today what I want for us to see that as Christians, God has given us our identity. This doesn't have to be a question for us any longer. And what we're going to see in our verses this morning is that we're going to see our identity in relation to God, in relation to humanity, and then lastly, in relationship to history. So follow along with me, verse 26 to 29. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In verse 26 and 27, we see the Christian's identity in relation to God. And it says, sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's very important. Through faith in Christ Jesus must be stated when we say that we are sons of God, because that is the stipulation. In order to be a son of God or a child of God's, you, it has to be done through faith in Christ. And this is the only way that this happens. This title of being a child of God is not all people's. Not everybody can claim that. Not everybody can hold on to that. Now, there, there is a sense, I guess, that we can look at it and say, God created everybody, therefore, they're all his. Yes, in a sense, that is very much true. But to be a child of God, adopted into God's family, the only way that that happens is through Christ. And through believing that he has finished the work on the cross for you, and you are putting your hope and your trust in him. You see, throughout Galatians, we've been talking and we've been saying how we're children of Abraham. And now maybe that doesn't fit your fancy. Maybe you say, I don't care about Abraham. That, that doesn't do anything for me. Well, what Paul does here is he, he ups the ante. He says, you're a child of God. You understand that this morning? If you've trusted in Jesus, if you are his, then your identity is found in the fact that you are God's child. Think about the ramifications that come along with being a child of God. Protection. You have protection. God will never leave you. Never leave you astray. He protects you. He's the provider. Think about the scriptures in Matthew and the gospels that talks about, God says, if I care about the grasses of the field and the flowers of the field, if I, if I care about all these birds as they fly around and I make sure that I provide for them, do you think I'm not gonna provide for you? God provides for his children. We are loved, it says, so loved that he would send his son for us to die in our place. We're forgiven as we understand the law, as we understand that we have fallen short of the law. And we start to see how God has forgiven us of all those sins. Wow, that, that really is an amazing thought. It's an amazing thing to think that the God of the universe would be willing to forgive me if we're honest, over and over and over and over again for the sins that we continually commit. I don't know what kind of patience you have. I don't know what kind of love you have for your children. But for me, 
they end at some point, it seems like. I can't do the over and over and over and over again. It's, you've got to learn your lesson. You've got to understand, and it gets hard. In our flesh, it gets, it gets hard to forgive, does it not? It gets hard to forgive our boss who says, you know, uh, you are going to get that promotion. You're going to get it, and then you don't get it. And it happens again and again and again to forgive them of those things. But yet God forgives us even though we fall short. Being a child of God, we see the compassion of God in our lives who continues to bless us even when we don't deserve it. We see our status elevated. Being, being a child of God, having that, that status thrown on us, given, being given freedom, freedom from our sin to not hold us down anymore, not to, not to enslave us, but God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome these sins in our life so that we can see victory, so that we can actually live freely, freely. Even this week, how I had to remind myself of the truths of God's word, or, or God would pour that into my life saying, Tim, you are, you are free in me. It's not what other people think about you. It's not the things that, that those people are going to throw on you that makes you worthy of me. No, that's not what does it. You are worthy because of my son. Don't, don't think you have to earn this. Freedom, having freedom. We've been given an inheritance, which we'll talk about more later. We've been given instruction. We're not just left on our own. God has given us his word so that we don't have to be swayed back and forth by all these different things we hear or, or all these different things we feel. No, we, we have God's word guiding us and directing us because we are his now, something that I understand as I talk about being a part of God's family is that all of us have had different kinds of families. When I first started preaching, I remember talking about God being father. And I, and I just talked about, you know, how good it was and all this stuff. And I, I remember somebody came up to me after the service and, and they said something to me that kind of took me back because they said, if, if God is father, if he's anything like mine, I, I don't want anything to do with him. You see, that never crossed my mind before because I, I've had a good dad. I've had a good family. I've enjoyed my family. And so when the word family gets brought up, I think good things. So when I think about being a part of God's family, I think, oh, it's going to be good. Well, some of you, maybe you didn't have that situation. You've, you've had a bad family. When you think about your dad, maybe you think about getting hit. You think about getting beat or you think he just left. He, he's not around. He doesn't care about me, Right? When I, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about God's family. When I talk about you being a part of God's family, I'm talking about an intimate relationship that you have with your heavenly father who loves you and who cares about you and who will never leave your side, who, who shares all these things that I had mentioned, protection, providing for you, freedom, love. He is the perfect father and he has done the work so that we can be a part of his family. The sign of being God's child is putting on Christ. And I, I want to read for you out of John chapter 8. This is verse 39 through 47, the gospel of John. It's Jesus talking. So they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham, that where Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. 
You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. You see, Jesus paints very clearly here for us the picture of who is part of God's family and who is not. See, the Jews were saying, Abraham is our father. God is our father. And Jesus is saying, no, he is not because you are not believing me. You are not accepting me. And they say, well, we weren't born out of sexual immorality. Our blood is pure. It's pure Jewish blood. Jesus is saying, why do you not understand what I'm saying? And then he answers the question for them. I know why you're not understanding what I'm saying, because your father is Satan. Imagine being those Jews. Imagine being those people hearing that. Oh, that's not something you want to hear. That's not something that you're going to take lightly. You're not going to go walk up to Jesus and say, you know, I appreciate you speaking truth into my life at this moment. I definitely needed that. That, that, There's no way that was their response. But Jesus, being pure of character, being always true, spoke truth to them, saying, no, you are destined for hell because you are not believing me. Your, Your father is not Abraham. Your father is Satan. The only way to be a child of God is to be baptized into Christ, it says in Galatians. Baptized into Christ. So what what does that mean? Well, this doesn't mean that we're saved through baptism, which some teach. Baptism does not save. We see this very clearly in Scripture, and my goal today is not to prove this to you, but you see this with Paul, who was saved on the road to Damascus, and he was baptized days later. You see this with the thief on the cross who was promised to be With Jesus in paradise, there was no baptism there, uh, no water baptism there on the cross. And there's other areas where we could go to talk more about that. But the point here is what baptism represents. To be baptized with Christ, dying to ourselves. You see, when we we walk into that baptistry, the the whole symbolism there is we we enter into that baptistry, the old self, the, the old person. And then we go underwater, that symbolizes death. We're dying to ourselves, but then we don't stay there, which is the question everybody asks me. How long are you going to keep me under? Not long at all, right? Go under, right back up. And what does that symbolize? It symbolizes life, symbolizes new life in Christ, putting on Christ. It's not, it's not, oh, now you have a second chance to do it all right. That's not what that symbolizes. It's, it's you have now put on Christ. You've been buried with him. You've suffered in his death. You are his. You are part of his family. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, which we've already studied, Paul would say, 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our life belongs to him. He has set us free. Paul talks about this again in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. And just, just listen. Don't try to turn there. You can turn there later. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Think about that. You've been buried with Christ and you've been raised with him. Now, if that is true for all of us as Christians, then this is going to have an impact on our relationship with other Christians. And that's what Paul gets to in this next verse in Galatians. Look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This statement that Paul makes in verse 28 is a very big statement. I've heard people accuse Paul of being chauvinistic, of being rude. Maybe you've heard that before because of his bluntness and some things that he says. But actually the opposite is what is true here because Paul makes a statement in verse 28 that really is revolutionary. It really is revolutionary for his people to hear him saying these things. I want you to think about ever, ever since the world has been, ever since sin entered the world, uh, we've struggled with, with three things. We've struggled with more than three things, but I'm mentioning these three things because they're brought up here. Race is one of them. I don't think we can deny that. Race has been an issue forever. And we still struggle with that. No matter how much we try to grasp it, no matter how much we try to get our arms around it, to get our minds around it, we completely struggle with that. Even in myself, I know as, a, as, my, as an individual, as I try to think through and pray through that in my own life, I can still see areas where it's like, oh, there's sin. There's sin when it comes to race issues or whatever it may be. It's a struggle for us. The other one, money. Money just seems to corrupt everybody. It just seems to hurt us when we get a lot of it. It causes wars. It causes strife. It causes problems within the family. We talked about that last week. When grandma passes away and gives her the vase that I wanted, I hate her. Right? Because of things. Money. And the third thing is sex. Whether male or female. That's been a struggle. There's been sins on both sides as we look at that. And this is what Paul addresses when we look at this verse. He slams the door shut on it. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek washes away race. There's neither slave nor free. Again, dealing with what we have, money. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. Need to hear that again. We are all one in Christ. The defining factor for us as believers who've been saved by Jesus is Jesus. That's the defining factor. Nothing else sets us apart. We are one in him. It is what should unify us. It is what people should know about us. And it is what we must proclaim that we are. 
the reason I bring this up is because a lot of you guys, if, if I would talk to you and, and get to know you, you would let me know your heritage. You would let me know your background, right? Have you, have you ran into people like that? They're proud Irishmen or, or they're, they're proud hillbillies. That's a lot, of it, a lot of it around here. I come from the east part of that state, not the west part of that state. I'm an eastern Tennessee person. I hear those things. Well, why do you say that? You're proud of where you're from. There's nothing wrong with that, being proud of where you're from. I've run into people. They're proud to be a man. I've ran into women. They're very proud that they are a woman and what sets them apart from men. And they will let me know it. They'll let me hear about it. Same with the men. They will let me know what makes them a man. And it's okay, whatever. It's great to hear. You are a man. Good job, right? But we have, we have pride in those things. There are some of you, as I get to know you, you know what you would start talking to me about? Your successes. You would let me know how you're doing at work. You would let me know about the car that you maybe have. You'd let me know about these different things. So you have these different markers in your life that you want people to know about when it comes to you. As Christians, these are not what are important. These are not what are important. What is important for us as Christians is that God has united us all in Jesus. And what a glorious thing he has done for us in our family. Because God has brought us all together, we have so many talents. We have so many skills. We have so many, so many different gifts within the body of Christ. Because we are together, we're able to reach the uttermost parts of the world. Can I tell you how how dumb it makes you feel when you're trying to share the gospel with someone and they don't speak your language. Just, you feel so useless. You just feel so helpless. But do you know how good it feels when somebody comes and says, hey, do you need help talking to them? Yes. Yes, I do. And they say, well, I'll interpret for you. I could not do that without them. And so I'm thankful that God has saved the, the Panamanian, the, the person from Venezuela, the person from Africa, because we need each other in order to reach the uttermost parts of the world as we are called to do. <clears throat> they don't have to become something that they are not. I got to tell you, one of the biggest struggles for me when we went to Panama it really drove me crazy is they listened to music in the, in the bus. They would make us listen to this music. It was our music. It was our Christian music. And I'm like, why are we listening to American Christian music in Panama? They should have their own Christian music. Now, I'm not saying heretical of God's word. I'm saying they are their own people. But what, what's kind of happening is we're introducing American culture and we're Americanizing them as well as Christianizing them. You know, we, we can see this in history when the old missionaries would go off to Africa. And one of the first things they would tell a convert is you need to buy a suit. You need to buy a suit and you need to wear the suit to church, right? Because this is what we do as Christians. Well, what are we doing? See, we're, we're trying to change them in a way that isn't important. What's important is that Christ unifies us. We look different. We sound different. But we're centered together on God's word and the truths of God's word. One of the commentaries that I have, I want to read a quote out of it. He said this, he said, when it comes to salvation, there are no differences among us. 
We are equal under the law and equal in the gospel. We are all equally in need of salvation and equally unable to save ourselves because of our sin. We all need the same cross and the same empty tomb. We all need the same atoning death and the same bodily resurrection. In a word, we all need the same Christ. Once we have come to him by the same faith, it is Christ for all and all in Christ. I hope that we grasp that. Church, Menorah Missionary Baptist Church, we will never be unified unless we see each other in this way. Understanding, you are saved by the grace of God and I am saved by the grace of God. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We don't have all the same similar interests. We might not even be best friends. We might not get along at all in those sense, but we definitely can come together and do what Pastor Scott said this morning. We can come together and sing praises to God together. We can reach our neighbors together. We can worship together. We can shake hands together. We can love each other. Why? Because we both know apart from Christ, we are nothing. We are nothing. And who we are is because of him. And we love each other because we love him. Sadly, we struggle with that so often, but I pray that God would work in our lives to see that truth. Now, I do wanna say this. This doesn't mean that our differences all need to be wiped away. I'm not saying that. I hope that you don't get that, right? No color, no gender, no differences. No, because there's great blessings in seeing God work in the midst of that in all of our lives, seeing, seeing the different colors, seeing the different genders, seeing the differences play out and how God uses them is a pretty and beautiful thing. Lastly, verse 29 helps us to see our identity in relation to history. Our identity in relation to history. Look at verse 29. It says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This promise that we have in Christ is an eternal promise. It's an eternal promise that is promised throughout all of history. Through Jesus, we become children of Abraham and thus children of God. God will never forsake this promise. That's, that's what he's given us. He will never forsake that promise. We are a part of an eternal family with God as our father. Even this week, I had talked with people who had such struggles within their own family, just saying, I just feel alienated. I just feel separated from my family, maybe because of their faith or, or whatever it may be. We should take great courage. And this is how I try to encourage those people is we, <clears throat> we are a part of God's family and nobody can take that away from us. Nobody can, can ruin that for us because it is the work that God has done in our lives. You know, I was sitting in my office and I was trying to think of like, what are the best families ever, you know, in America that people would just attach to? And you see all these famous different families, the Kennedys and the, the Bushes and the DuPonts, the Rockefellers, all these names that you see in history. And, and maybe if you carried that name with you, maybe you would walk around in a, in a certain way, you know, with a, with a little, a little bounce in your step. You know, this is, this is who I am. You know, I, I go to vacation every year uh, to the west side of the state in Holland, Michigan. And at the, at the state park, you cannot miss this massive house that is just, just across the channel. And one of the questions I, I, I've asked, and I've heard tons of people ask, whose house is that? Now, if I could say that was my house, 
That would add a little extra to me, I feel like. Like I could say, well, that's my house. That's my family's house. This is where we vacation, right over there. I don't have to be with you peons at the state park. I got my own one over there, right? There, there's something to having a family name that means something. I mean, we, we have those within our own county. You ask someone, oh, what, what's your last name? And they tell you, and you, oh, I know, I know some of those, right? I, I know who that is connected to. Now, maybe some of you have a family, you're like, mm, I don't want you to know that. But we carry with us, as children of God, God's name on us. We are his, and he is ours. Because of what Christ has done for us, we are a part of his family. And as Christians, we need to take great pride in the fact that God is our father, that we can go to him, that he cares about us, that he loves us. And this should not be something that brings us shame. We shouldn't be shamed by the fact that we're Christians. We don't need to be shamed by the fact that Jesus has saved us. No, that needs to be what is first out of our mouths. That needs to be what motivates us and what what drives us is what God has done for us. I get to be a part of his family. Wow. And since I'm a part of his family, what I want to do is I want to honor him. I want to honor his name. I want to please my father because of all that he does for me, because of the love that he pours out for me, the best thing that I can do is to honor him with my life, is to serve him with gratitude and to share with other people. You can be a part of his family too. You can be a part of his family too. If you would just repent and believe in Jesus and what he has done, God will be your father as well. Well, I don't want to dive into this too much because it's going to steal from my sermon for next week as we'll be in chapter four, verse one through seven and see see what it means. The fact that we've been adopted into God's family and our heirs and what that looks like. But this morning, I think the challenge for us and I think what we need to see in God's word, as we see the truths of God's word, is we need to see the great joy that we should have in understanding that we are a child of God, that we are children, his children. What a benefit that is. What a, what a privilege that is. And how we need to not take that for granted for even one second. But we should honor him. We should serve him. And we should praise him with all of our life. I want us to bow together and I want us to pray together and do our best to end service in a honoring way, God glorifying way. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I do want to ask you a question. Are you a child of God? Are you his? Do you know that? If you don't, you can know that this morning by trusting in Christ. As as you feel God leading you and directly saying, this is what I need in my life. Would Would you surrender to that this morning? Would you believe in the finished work of Jesus for your sins and trust in him? The 
Bible says if you do that, you become a part of God's family forever. Saved, forgiven, redeemed. Then there's those of us here this morning who have done that. We've been a part of God's family for a long time. I want to ask you something. Have you been bearing that name well? Are you proud of that name? Or have you been taking it for granted? Have you been using it? Have you been misusing it? This morning, maybe you need to just repent to God and ask God to help you in that area of your life to not take that for granted. Or maybe there's some of us here this morning who just simply need to praise God and thank him because we know that he's a good father to us. It's a good father that we simply don't deserve, that he loves us and cares for us. Maybe we just need to praise him some this morning. So I hope that you'll do that. God, this morning in this place, I pray that you'd be honored. I hope that you have been. Be glorified as we do our best to respond to your word. God, whatever that may look like. Maybe there's some who do need to come forward and pray. God, I pray that they'd be faithful to do that. Maybe there's others who just need to pray where they are. God, maybe there's some this morning who need to have your grace poured out in their life for the first time. God, I pray that you would do that, that you would open up blind eyes this morning to your truth, that you would raise the dead back to life, that they would be baptized in Christ this morning. We want to praise you for that as you do that. But God, just speak to our hearts. Help us again to respond to you how we should. Help us as we sing this last song to sing praises to your name, the one who's worthy, the one who's deserving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.